The sun is shining in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hello again, everybody. This is Harry Carey. That's the most asinine marketing I've ever heard of. Live. Brian sends one to deep left. Way back. It is gone. A three-run homer. In the entertainment capital of the world. Didn't matter what the count was. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Oh, my goodness. That's the longest home run to center field we have seen in this ballpark. T.C. Martin. Way back in my feet. It could be. Cubs win. Cubs win. Cubs win. Holy cow. Look at the left fielder. He has the ball here. He has that one. And here comes the Cubs out on the field. is now in. Glad to have you with us. Hour number two, T.C. Martin Show. want to thank Steve Berline for joining us, talking a little college football. And he was on that call for Iowa-Iowa State last week on the radio side. Oh, yeah, Iowa State. Man, they fall to Iowa. Their nemesis there. And guess who they got this week? They're coming to Elysian Stadium. Take on the UNLV Rebels, and the Rebels lose to Arizona State, Herm Edwards and company. So, yes, we know that Iowa State is going to be fired up, and they're going to bring the crowd as well, too. We know that the Cyclones, they travel well, but uh, they're going to be in a nasty mood as they take on the UNLV Rebels. And I just wonder how much you know, red and gold are we going to see when you look at at Iowa State, are they going to bring 15,000, 20,000, 25,000? What's it going to be like? And I know there are a lot of college football fans that are looking forward to uh, coming to that game at Allegiant Stadium and the Rebels coming off that uh, the last time they were at home against the loss to Eastern Washington. So expect a big portion of red and gold. Okay, not the scarlet and gray. UNLV will have their fans there, but yeah, Iowa State coming to town. So, appreciate Steve Berline for joining us there and also talking quarterbacks and talking about the Raiders' victory on Monday night as well, too. All right, hang tight. Uh, bottom of the hour, we will talk boxing. We will Tim Bradley will join us, the former five-time champ and uh, also does a fantastic job on ESPN with top-ranked boxing. So, uh Tim, looking forward to Fury Wilder. We'll talk to him about that. And, of course, the big announcement with uh, Terrence Crawford taking on Showtime, Sean Porter, Mandalay Bay, November the 20th. So we'll look forward to talking to Tim about that. And also Nico Ali Walsh, So who won his de- debut. Muhammad Ali's grandson won in a resounding fashion, a first-round KO. He will be uh, getting his second fight coming up here. Uh, October the 23rd. So we'll talk to him about that. So we keep on keeping on. Let's talk a little Major League Baseball right now with our good friend, MLB Network Radio XM89. And of course, it's Sax, not on the beach. No, Sax in the Morning, the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, right. going, it's going so well. The reviews are off the charts, as they say. Steve Sax joins us mm-hmm. now. What's going on, brother? T.C. Martin, uh, I'm doing great. Thank you, uh, fellas. I, I want to know when the Fury Wilder fight is. I heard you talking about that. When's that fight? October the 9th. Uh, are you going to be here for that? Because I know you're a huge boxing Boy. fan. Yeah, can you secure me two tickets? I'd love to come. Where is it, Mandalay Bay? Uh, no, and actually, October 9th will be at T-Mobile Arena. Okay, that'll, that'll, be, okay. that'll be at T-Mobile. And then we've got uh, Crawford Porter coming your way November 20th. That's at Mandalay Bay. So, as you know, Steve Sachs, okay. uh, boxing capital of the world, entertainment capital of the world, and now we're the sports capital yes. of the world. What are you going? That's amazing. I watched the Raider game Monday night. It was amazing. Loved it. I'm a big Raider and 49er fan. Uh, I love both teams and uh, just love watching the Raiders. And, and uh, you know, it was, it was amazing uh, how they came back and won that game. I was so back and forth. I couldn't believe it, you know, but uh, Derek Carr is an amazing quarterback. No, and it was a great atmosphere in that building, and there were a lot of uh, fans that just weren't actually sure, 
You know, I mean, how is this going to play off? You know, how is it? It was going to be a true home field advantage for the Raiders because you had a lot of transplant fans. You figure, okay, there's going to be some Baltimore fans, but no, it was deafening. It was predominantly all Raider fans. It was phenomenal. It was it was a great scene, and the city of Las Vegas nailed it. The Allegiant Stadium staff nailed it. And, and think about that. Stadium. What a stadium! Yeah, oh. first professional football, you know, uh, game. You know, in in the in the great state of uh, Nevada, here in Las Vegas, it took a long time coming, but man, yeah. it's uh, yeah, it uh, yeah, it was it was it was pretty cool. And as you know, I mean, you've been to so many games going way back, Candlestick Park in San Francisco with those great Niner teams, <laughs> Levi Stadium now. Yep. But I mean, you're like me, you went to that the old Oakland Coliseum when the Raiders were, yeah. were good back in Love the John it. Madden days and everything, and, and that stadium yep. was was raucous in its own right back in those days. Yep, it was it was an amazing place and. You know, you can tell that there are a lot of people from Oakland that were in Las Vegas yes. watching that game. There, it's not that far, really, and and there there were a lot of fans from Oakland that uh, that were enjoying that game. And you know, Oakland's got such a great, uh, or the Raiders have such a great uh, tradition that you know they could play anywhere and they're going to get great fans. But that was that was an amazing. It was it was even louder than the Coliseum in the Legion Stadium. So it was a. A beautiful venue. I've been there once, and it's just amazing. Right. Yeah, that was great. All right. You have to get here for a game, my friend. You know, let us know. No doubt. Yeah. Hear you. All right, man. Uh, So, uh, let's hear about the podcast. Give me the latest. What's well? It's it's amazing. We're getting unbelievable reviews. Uh, We we are just just the 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 text messages I got this morning from the shorts that we had on this morning. We're just amazing. For people, if you haven't downloaded Sacks in the Morning, go there and listen to the, the uh, review from the, you know, the podcast today. It's about a four-minute podcast, and that's what they are Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And this one today was about being a parent. And uh, two stories I'm going to share with you. And then I've got, I've got the text message that said, my, my jaw hit the floor. I had no idea. That's all I'm going to say. If you listen to it, you won't believe the message from today. It's, it's really a great message. And uh, this is really co- coming from you too, right? Coming from your heart, you know, being the parent that that you are, right? Yeah. So, that's yes, good. a lot of I believe, of course. And but today, today's stories are stories that some people have heard before. Most people have not. Uh, and if they go and they download and they listen to these stories today, they're going to be they're going to be absolutely stunned when they hear this story. Good, great stuff. And you also got the long yeah. format as well too. Who's the next guest in the long format? Mm-hmm. Next guest in the long format because the byline from Sacks in the Morning is, is uh, sports, yeah. life, and money. And in the life section, uh, this next one, which is going to be a week from Thursday, or this Thursday, tomorrow, is going to be Mike Kowalski, 23 years, the drummer for the Beach Boys, <laughs> is going to tell us all about it. So that's another one you're going to be able to enjoy once you download the podcast. Yeah. Mike Kowalski will be there from the Beach Boys, so it's pretty great. Well, good stuff there. All right, Sacks in the Morning. Get it where you get your podcast on all the podcast uh, platforms. And, of course, you can also hear Steve on the MLB Network Radio XM89 as well, too, telling it like it is. So let's dive into this, man. Uh, it seems weird. I don't know about you. I mean, last year was kind of a weird season with no fans and all that stuff, the short season and everything. And now we're back, 162 games. We have fans mm-hmm. back in the stands, but I don't know about you, man. This doesn't seem like the last, you know, couple weeks of the season, the end of September, because Steve, we got no pennant races. I mean, we've got one in, in the <laughs> West, in the NL West, and that's really about it. And the Giants, you know, who clinched the other night, popped the champagne, and the, and the Dodgers, yep. you know, still two and a half games back. So, I mean, they're both battling there, but at least the Giants are the first to clinch an actual playoff spot. But let me ask you, my friend. Why are we seeing no pennant races? And we go from top to bottom. And I talked about it earlier. I mean, we've got the Orioles 43 and a half games back. We've got the Diamondbacks at the bottom, you know, what, 48 games back. I mean, every division, the Minnesota Twins 20 back. I mean, we usually see one or maybe two, but we don't see four or five of, of these type of, uh, you know, things where the last place team is like 30 and 40 games back. I mean, what has happened to Major League Baseball this year? Yeah, it is a bit different now. While you don't see many of these races uh, that are contested right now, certainly in the American League, the closest one is Seattle, which is behind Houston. Uh, everything else is a uh, foregone conclusion. The White Sox are 12 and a half up. Tampa Bay right now is eight up. So these divisions are, are already settled. 
We do have a race in the National League East, though. Atlanta is only four and a half above Philadelphia. And, of course, in San Francisco, they are in first place above the Dodgers, just two and a half. And Milwaukee is going to win their division. They're 13 above St. Louis. So uh, we have a couple of races. We have three races and three that are settled. And, uh, you know, so that's it. But the wild card races are vibrant and thriving. We have, in the American League, we have three teams that are absolutely right there. Toronto is a half game up of the Yankees in Boston. Obviously, only two of those teams are going to be able to be there. But uh, that's a great race right there. And in the National League, it's another great race. The Dodgers are going to, or the Giants, whoever, whoever wins the division, will be the, the other team will be the first seed. Right now, as we sit, the Dodgers are 17 games up, so they'll be the first seed if it ended just like it is now. But look at this race. We've got, no, uh, we've got the St. Louis, uh, which is the first seed. You've got Cincinnati, a half a game back from that. Uh, you've got San Diego, which is one game back. Philadelphia is three back. And then the Mets are four back. There, I mean, there's a great race for the wild card in both divisions. So that's, that's one thing that's good. No, you're right. And when you look at a team like Toronto – I mean, they have been playing such great baseball, and they got that, that heavy-handed offense there as well, too. I mean, you look at this team and like, no, they're, they're not going to win the division. But I mean, they are fighting for a wild card here. I, I guess of, of all the of all the the teams or the or the races there, what is intriguing you the most right now? Who do you got your eye kind of peeled to? Well, you know, San Diego is in a tough predicament right now. They by far have the toughest schedule. They're only a game off the pace in the wild card, but. Their schedule is so daunting. I, I don't know if they can withstand it, especially with the lack of starting pitching because of injuries, and some of it was uh, not living up to uh, the billing. But uh, for a team that was so highly regarded and, uh, you know, they might win the division to a team, well, they'll get into postseason. They're going to struggle to get into postseason. So that's one thing with them. Um, out of all the teams that are in the, in the wild card hunt, um, St. Louis is the only team that's playing well. They've won four in a row. Cincinnati's lost three in a row. Uh, you know, San Diego has lost, uh, let's see, seven of 10. Um, Philadelphia has lost seven of 10. The, the Mets have lost six of 10. And, and these, teams, these other teams, except St. Louis, have gotten cold at the wrong time, and St. Louis has gotten hot at the right time. So this is, uh, this is the way the ball bounces, but it can shift. You know, um, whoever pitches best down the stretch, and we are in the stretch run, that's usually the team that's going to win. So, uh, St. Louis might have the inside track with that. We know the Giants are two and a half ahead of the Dodgers. And, again, these two teams just playing fantastic ball. They're really kind of matching each other. I mean, the Giants with 95 wins and, and the Dodgers with 93. And, you know, the Dodgers, unfortunately, are going to be, you know, in this wild card situation, in this, you know, one and done type, type of deal. I mean, if they can't catch the Giants. Do you think they can catch the Giants with a couple weeks to go? Yeah, oh, absolutely they can. Um, the thing about it is the Giants have some magic dust sprinkled upon them. If you look at the players on the team, you think, no way do they have the best record in baseball. It's impossible. <laughs> right. Um, but everything they do is right. When they need a base hit, they get it. When they need a double, they get it. When they need somebody to go deep uh, in the, into the game and turn it over to maybe one in on the bullpen, they get it. It's like a football team that's third and seven, and they need a first down. They get it every time. That's, that's what the Giants are doing this year in baseball. Every single time they need something, they get it. And it's just, you know, it'll probably never happen this way in 100 years again, but they have guys that are just pulling it out of you-know-where. I mean, Posey's hitting over 300. Brandon Crawford's getting talked about for MVP. Kevin Gosman, when we look what they got with him, especially early in the season. Brandon Belt's hitting, hitting the ball out of the ballpark every time he comes up. I mean, uh, young guys, Stephen Duggar and, and all these guys are just killing it. So, it's something about it. Maybe we give credit to Gabe Kapler. Maybe that's what it is. Who knows? But it's, I've never seen a team execute like the Giants do. They need a great play. You know, bases loaded, nobody out. They come out of it unscathed. I mean, it just doesn't happen this way. But it is happening for this team this year. And it is crazy because a lot of those names that you mentioned, I mean, they're the same guys that have been with the Giants the last couple of years. I mean, Duggar and, and you know, we're yeah. okay. And, but they got Chris Bryant and, you know, they added on, you know, yeah. there and got Gosman. And again, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, but I always thought Gosman, he was almost kind of a throwaway guy. I mean, he was never really overly impressive, you know, with his time. Always with had good stuff, though. Always had yeah. great stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's about putting it together. And, and that's, that's what he's done. Yeah. Yeah, but when you look you know? at the Giants, I mean, do they really look like, 
just from a lineup perspective, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, they're they're executing every day, every night. But yeah. do they really look like they're twenty games better than the Atlanta Braves or the <laughs> Philadelphia Phillies? Serious? Because they are. They're twenty games better. They, yeah, they are. And you look at them, you think, no way. I mean, I, I look at this team. I go up and down the lineup, and I, you know, I mean, any other year, you look at them. This is a third or fourth place team. I mean, they're they're just. They're not scaring anybody, but boy, Posey is having an unbelievable year. Brandon Crawford is having an MVP style season. So is Brandon Bell. Longoria, I mean, at one time they had everybody on the infield was hurt. And so they had the bench players were all in the infield, the third, short, second, and first. And they were, they were carrying the mail. I mean, it's like, where is this coming from? But it's just like they can't do anything wrong. And you think, well, at some point that stuff's going to wear off. We only have 17 games left. They better wear off soon or they're going to win everything. Steve Sachs uh, joins us talking about Major League Baseball pennant races, wild card races here. And can you see, I mean, the Dodgers, they spent so much money. They're playing great baseball. Mm-hmm. They're 40 games over 500. They're 93 and 33. But yes, they could be in that predicament of a one game playoff situation. It could be yeah. one and done. Can you imagine, yeah. Steve? As we know, anything can happen in a one game scenario. And if this does happen, okay, and I hope it doesn't, because I'd love to see the Dodgers in the postseason, especially with that lineup and especially with the pitching now that, you know, they got Shearzer and Kershaw's back. But can you imagine if they get eliminated in a wild card game? Do you, I can hear it right now. I mean, we've talked about all the time how these leagues, these sports leagues, they love changing things. It's like, oh, wait a minute. That was a travesty. Now yeah, they always do. They, yeah, right? Could you see Major League Baseball trying to change something here if, if the Dodgers have 100 victories, which they very well could, and they probably will, and they don't advance to, say, the division series? Yeah, it, it could very well happen. Um you know, you don't expect it to because of the depth on the team and what they can throw at you in a one-game playoff. But, you know, a bad hop here, you know, somebody gets hurt, somebody just doesn't play well for one game, happens all the time. I mean, it could certainly happen. The Dodgers' run disparity, the run differential, uh, they have the best run differential in all of baseball at 200, plus 242. I mean, they've scored 242 more runs than they've allowed. And it's by far and away the best in baseball, yet – they could be in a one-game playoff, and that's a scary thats a scary thing right there. But I also, if they go to one-game playoff and win, then they're going to have to play. Um, they're going to, you know, they're going to wind up playing the Giants. And if I'm the Giants, I don't want that. Right, right. All right, over in the American League, um, you mentioned the Astros and the, you know, the Mariners, the A's have fallen off, and now the Mariners are in second place. Houston still seems to be in control of the division. Watching Zach Granke come back last night, man, that, that was not scary, and I'm not sure what Dusty's going to do with this starting rotation when they come playoff time. You know, they got some pretty good young arms there, uh, but I don't, I don't know about Granke. I don't know about Odorizzi. I mean, he's injured again, and you know, those two yep. guys are, 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 are question marks. What do you think about the Astros in their pitching. Um, you know what? It's always it's always going to be an issue uh, with teams. And like I said, whoever pitches best down the stretch is the team that wins. Um, and you know the Astros are going to are going to have to find somebody to step up and be a little bit of a surprise. I mean, they got they got hammered yesterday, and Granky really. I mean, you know, he only gave up the five hits, but they were damaging because he gave up three home runs, right? And that was a big blast to them. So. You know what? This, this team's going to have to find a way to have uh, either a combination of people that are going to come out of the bullpen and support uh, some of the lack of depth that they have right now, um, or they're going to have some of the starters that are going to have to be a big surprise for you. And you know what? It's not. It's not like this can't happen. We. It's, I've definitely seen it happen before. Uh, whether it's in the pitching department or an everyday player. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, it's going to be a guy like Framber Valdez or Yukiti. Um, maybe McCullers, who knows, but somebody's going to have to come up and, and, and help, you know, dominate because that's what it's all about, especially down the stretch. It's about pitching and, uh, you know, they're going to be limited a bit. 
Speak a little bit about the Rays and the White Sox. I mean, these two teams, still a little bit of a surprise. We've seen Tampa, you know, be pretty good the last few seasons. You know, we get that. But still, you're in that division, you know, year in and year out with the Yankees and the Red Sox. And you know, we talked about the Blue uh-huh. Jays a little bit. But right now, when you look at the, the top of the AL, we talk about the Astros. But then you got to talk about the Rays and, and the White Sox as well. Speak a little bit about those two teams. And who do you see advancing on here? Yeah. You know, a lot of people talk about the White Sox. Yeah, they got a great record and whatnot, but uh, they're in a kind of a weak division in the American League Central. I don't buy that at all. I think I think the White Sox are a really good team. They've got so many guys in the middle of this lineup. When you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, Robert and Jimenez and, and Abreu and Mokata, and Tim Anderson might be the, one of the best hitters in the game. He's having a so-so year. He's only hitting 301 this year, so that's that's not really you know a great year for Tim Anderson. But uh, this team is really good. You can't ever take them for granted. Um, I think they check all the boxes, if you will, uh, TC. Uh, you go down the line and you see what they do. They might have the best back of the bullpen uh, in all of baseball when you consider Liam Hendricks uh, and Craig Kimbrell. That's a pretty good back of the bullpen for if you have one of those guys, that's a really good back of the bullpen. They've got both of those guys. So this is really a seven-inning game. You've got Kimbrell in the eighth and Hendricks in the ninth. Uh, and you've got really good starting pitching with the uh, Giolito and Keiko, Dylan Cease. You got Lance Lynn. You got some really good pitching here throughout. This team is stacked, and I don't care if they're in a the weak division. They're they are for real. And anybody that can discount them is making a huge mistake because this is a really talented ball club. Have you seen a streakier team this this year than the Yankees? I mean, for for the for the pro side, the con side, because they've gone on some win streaks, they've gone on some losing streaks as well too. Man, and uh, it's, probably, it's pro- probably more than likely going to come down to them in Toronto, you know, to see who who uh, gets to the division series. Yeah, and uh, you know, yesterday was a, a kind of a typical uh, you know game for the Yankees. Everybody except Rizzo at the from the sixth uh, position up. Hit home runs. They had five home runs. It was Gallo and Boyd and Stanton and Judge and LeMahieu. Everybody hit home runs for the team. That's how they win. They pound the baseball and in pitching. You know they usually pitch pretty well. Yesterday with Garrett Cole, he only went five innings. They pushed him now. He Garrett Cole in five innings with 108 pitches. They pushed him pretty hard. A lot of foul balls. They were hanging in there a lot. And um, but you know he eventually pulled off the victory. 15 and seven with a 275 as Garrett Cole this year. But uh, yeah, the Yankees are going to have a tough road. There's no question about it. They're still in a fight for their life. So who do you – let's look ahead here. All right, like you said, 17 games left. Uh, give me a Steve Sachs uh, postseason right now. Give me, give me a World Series matchup that you think we're going to see. Wow. That, that, that <laughs> a World Series matchup? I, I'll, well, I'll just tell you who I picked to start, the, to start the season in spring training. I picked the Dodgers in the National League and the White Sox in the American League. I picked these two teams to go at it. And I'll just stick with that. That, that could very well be a scenario, what we see in the World Series. Now, Tampa's a great team. They find ways to win. The Giants are, are a great team. They find ways to win, too. That's the one thing that you have to go against is maybe not enough, as much resources as some of these other teams, but well-coached, good athletes, kind of under-the-radar type of things. Uh, and, and those two teams could uh, supplant the ones that I picked, too. So who knows? Right. It, it, there's a lot of good. There's a lot of good races in the wild card right now. No doubt about it. All right, he is Steve Sachs. You can catch him uh, MLB Network Radio XM eighty nine. Uh, when are you When are you uh, back on uh, this week? I was on uh, last night, so I'll be on Saturday night. All right. To uh, yeah, for your ears' pleasure, right? Yeah. <laughs> you go on there Saturday night. I'll be on there. But hey, download Sachs in the morning. That's your favorite podcast outlet. And uh, turn it on and listen to today's short. You really like it. Yeah, there it is. Sacks in the morning, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, all available platforms. Steve Sacks talking about parenting, great stuff. And then, uh, like you said, uh, the long-form stuff going to be great, too. Talk a little Beach Boys. I mean, that's going to be outstanding, man. Yeah. I, and I know, I know what yeah. a music My- guy you are. And, and you love the drums. I mean, you, you're a closet yeah, drummer, I, I, aren't you? I play the drums. I know. My drum set, My drum set was a... Uh, was a product of my conversation with the guy that you're going to hear. Mike Kowalski is a good friend yeah. of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, we met back in the 80s when he was with the Beach Boys, and that's why I was able to play in concert with the Beach Boys a couple of times. Um, and he's the one that told me to get my specific drum set, which was made by, by um, DW, 
And that's the kind of drum set he uses in the Beach Boys. So that's how I got my drum set. So you actually got to perform with the Beach Boys on stage. They said, Steve Sachs, come yeah. on up here. And Mike says, go ahead, man. Now, did you do like the dual you know, drum sets? Did you have two kits up there? Or did Mike just say, Steve, take it away you know, for a song or so? <laughs> Um, I don't remember. I, I was rocking. I was rocking. I was. Uh, I played a couple of songs. I think I played Barbara Ann, which was really easy. And then I played another. But uh, I, I tell you what, one was in Palm Beach in spring training, and one was on the last day of the season in San Diego. Um, and there was, you know, there were thirty-five thousand people. There was the last day of the season. We won the game, and then afterwards, I was on the kit on stage. With the Beach Boys, and I was nervous as all get out. Wasn't nervous during the game, but boy, I was nervous on stage playing the drums. Absolutely. Now, were you, did you still have the uniform on, or did you go? Did you no. come out and change? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I I had to change. I went into the civilian gear the civilian. and uh, just tried to be one of the band members. Man, I was I was. I was uh, cooling out being a band member, man. I'll tell you what, it was cool. I bet. I mean, and, and did you go with the Beach Boys garb, though? Did you go with those type of flowery type of shirts back then? I don't think I had the flowery shirt, I, but I, I, I tried to put, you know, a little, little muscle tone in the shirt, you know, to <laughs> try to rock and, you know, had the hair back, slicked back. And I just had my wife and I just had uh, our, our daughter was born. So my, my, my daughter was, uh, you know, on stage uh, watching her dad play the drums. So that was a pretty cool thing. Oh, man, I can, I can hear you on Surfing Safari, man. I mean, I got to hear that. <laughs> I, I wanted to play uh, Little Beast Coop. That, that's kind of, uh, uh, you know, that was just kind of one, one, little, of my, my, one of my favorites. A little slower, but I can see that. There you go. And, you know, it's a good thing you yeah. did change because I would hate for you to get up there to the kit with the cleats on. That wouldn't be a good thing, would it? <laughs> yeah. And then his, his, his bass drum would have holes in it. That wouldn't work too good. Uh, yeah, but uh, Beach Boy's still one of my favorite favorite bands. Tremendous good, band. Good stuff, man. Sax in the morning. Get it wherever you get your podcasts, all the podcast platforms. My man, I appreciate you as always, and we look forward to some playoff baseball real Thanks, soon. Steve. Take care, brother. You bet. All See you right. later. There he is, Steve Sachs. Uh Yes, the two-time World Series champion, the five-time All-Star, drummer extraordinaire. See what you learn here on this show? You learn it all. Plain and simple. Sacks in the morning. The podcast going. MLB Network Radio. It's all happening. Boxing. Yeah. We start hitting it. Tim Bradley. Nico Alley Walsh. And we talk Porter, Crawford, Wilder, Fury next. This is Showtime Sean Porter. You know I'm tuning into the T.C. Martin Show. Check this out. Make sure you join us Friday live at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Our best bets in effect. Oh, yeah. Killed it last week. 3-0 on the college side. 1-2 on the pro side. But, uh, yes, the panel was on fire. So come on out see the show live this Friday, 2-4 to p.m. The Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. No better place to be from the gaming side, the food side, the entertainment side. And a guy who knows all of the above about that is our next guest. And he knows a little bit about that funk. Fire that up again. I want to play a little Name That Tune with Tim Bradley here. Because Tim's an old school guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm not an old school guy. (laughs) Come on, Tim Bradley. Who is this? Name this tune, brother. Give me the group. Come on. Don't tell me, man. Is it is it Zap? That's not Zap. Not a bad guess, though. Nah, come on, man. I don't know, bro. You don't know this one? Man, huh? I'm not an old school guy, man. You're not old I'm going to be honest with you. Okay, okay. No. No, I'm a, I'm a 90s baby. <laughs> That's true. Well, this was 80s, man. This was mid-80s. That was Houdini, man. You remember Houdini, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you got me. See, I got you. You got me. I, you got me with that. I love the tune, but you got me with that, okay, man. Okay, man. What's going on, TC? Oh, here you go. This is more your speed. How's this one? We'll give you a little Bill Bib DeVoe. How's that? That's 90s. I like that. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's flavor right there. There you go. There you go. See, Tim's going, hey, I didn't know we were going to play music today. Forget boxing. We're not talking to you about boxing. We're talking about music. That's what we do here. Yeah, but I'm 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 not I'm not my my cup of tea. I'm not I'm not really great at music and and, and, and who know who the artists are and things like that, man. I, I mean it's crazy. You know, I'll tell you one thing, TC. I listen to you won't believe it. Okay. But when I was training, I would listen to Mexican Music when I was training. Really? Literally, Mexican music. Really? Yes. 
Okay. Merengue, yes, merengue. It's something about that music, man. Um, it just, I don't know. It, it's the flow. It's the rhythm. Maybe it's the, the, the beat. I don't know what it is. Look at that. That's good to know, Mexican man. Mexican music when I trained. Yeah. You mean something like this is what you're talking about. There we go. Hey, welcome to the Tim Bradley camp. Here we go. We're going <laughs> to spar today. Here we go. We're not in Tijuana. We're in Palm Springs. Here we are. <laughs> That's my that's, that's me right there. That's you. There it is. So we do a Tim Bradley rejoiner. We're gonna have some merengue right behind it. That's what we're gonna do. Give me some merengue. I love it, man. I love it. That's good, man. That's good. All right, brother. What's happening with you, man? You been on a little vacation? You take a little, little time off lately? Nah, 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 nah. I, I just actually came from uh, one of my wife's restaurants, and uh, I've been working today. Uh, but, uh, you know, we had the fight last week, yep. Valdez, Oscar Valdez, Conte right. Cell fight. Mm-hmm. So, called that event. Uh, thought it went pretty well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oscar I, Val- I, got- I love Oscar Valdez. One of my favorites. Great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, we got that done. Um, but I got some big news, man. I heard some big news uh, yesterday. Terrence Bud Crawford. Yeah. Breaking news. It's official. I know, man. It is official. November the 20th. Here we go. Mandalay Bay, baby. And yes, what, wow. I, what I love about this, I love so much about this, Tim. And we talked about this before. So we get Terrence Crawford getting in a real fight and a real opponent. My guy, Showtime Sean Porter, has been so hungry for this. Again, he's been pretty inactive as well, too, because of the whole Al Heyman and the PBC situation. He spent more time, you know, on the Fox side and the broadcasting side, which which he, he does a great job. But he's been so hungry to get this fight. And we get, more importantly, why I'm so excited, because Bob and Top Rank and you, you guys are going to be involved as the lead promoters. This is no co-promotion. This is no PBC. It's top rank. It's Tim Bradley. It's Andre Ward, Joe Tessitore, the whole gang, ESPN. Here yeah. we go. That's what I like. No doubt. No doubt about it, man. Um, you know, I was a bit afraid. I wasn't sure if it was going to go to first bid or not. I was hoping it didn't because right. I was hoping that top rank can get a deal done. And they got it done, but this is a much-needed fight for the sport right now, man. I'm not going to lie. The sport right now has been taking black eye after black eye after black eye, and it hasn't been a great year for boxing. You know, right now I see UFC kind of ruling the the, the fight world right now. Uh, You know, they're putting on great matches, great competition uh, against the best fighting the best. And, you know, boxing's kind of been, you know, by the wayside now. And, you know, from COVID and cancellations and different things like that. Uh, we haven't seen any really good fights this year. You know, uh, I think this is the, I think this is a really huge fight and a must needed fight for the sport of boxing. And you have two guys that are like extremely kind, right? They're right. professionals at the craft. They're professionals outside the ring. I mean, these guys, they don't drink, they don't smoke. They're clean. You know, they're God fearing type of guys. Uh, they're family guys, you know, but their mentalities are similar their mentalities. They want to fight the best. John Porter has always wanted to fight the best. And I believe John Porter is the backbone, and I say the backbone of the welterweight division. He's fought all the top welterweights but Terrence Bud Crawford. Right. And he has a willingness to get in there to challenge himself because he wants to be the best in the world against arguably the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the game. Right now he's number two, Terrence Bud Crawford. Now, Terrence Bud Crawford's never been in the ring with any of those other guys. You know, He's finally getting a top dog in the welterweight division. So this is different. This is, you know, fighting against Sean Porter is going to be something that Crawford hasn't experienced in his life before, in his career before. You know, Sean Porter is tough, and he's a tough out for anybody. You know his losses, have they're very slim losses. They wasn't, like, by a large margin. No, these the losses that he suffered in his career, they were very, they were close fights, really, really close fight. One point here, one point there, and he gets the nod. So this is going to be a great challenge for Terrence Buck Crawford. I can't wait to see this fight. Um, stylistically, it's a great matchup. Um, I mean, there's so many different ways this fight can go. I, I mean, I'm playing this out of my head. I, I see, I can see Porter getting out to a quick start. Uh, I can see Terrence actually starting quicker than we normally see him. 
it's so many different things that's going on in my mind right now about this fight, man. But uh, I'm excited, just as excited as all the fans at home. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, and to have it be here in Vegas, I know Sean is so excited because he's only fought here twice in his career, once in 2013 when, in, in 2015, last time he fought Broner here. But he's never had a big-time fight here in Vegas. Most of those fights have been in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn in, in, in or the Staples Center where he fought Earl Spence Jr. So I, I'm happy for him that he gets to you know basically fight here in his adopted hometown here of Vegas but you, there's so many similarities like you said they're both Midwest guys Crawford is from Nebraska from Omaha you know yeah. and then you got Sean from Akron Ohio and it's like it's it's great man a couple of Midwest guys that have great values great family guys like you said but again Porter has got that experience where he's been in the ring never turned down a fight and he's actually been seeking those fights he wanted Pacquiao you know he wanted Spence again he wanted Thurman again and yeah. all those fights you know always kind of got delayed and with Crawford, he's wanted to fight the best too. I got to believe, but again, he's been hamstrung because Al Heyman has all those welterweights. We've talked about that before, and, and I feel bad for Terence Crawford. You know, and he's, you know, he comes across as this guy who's kind of got a little an angry, quiet attitude, where Sean is very boisterous and everything. And it's just too bad that the public really hasn't got a chance to see maybe Crawford like you have or I have. You know, especially you because you've done so many of his fights. You know, but uh, th- this guy is is a great guy, but he's still kind of under the radar with boxing fans. Well, I, I think I think this fight right here, this is the fight that everybody's been clamoring for. They've been wanting to see Terrence Crawford in there with a, a top contender or a top welterweight. Sean Porter is a tough out, like I said, for anybody. You know, you put him against Sean, uh, against Keith Thurman, you know, no joke. I mean, he's, you know, he put, he gave uh, Earl Spence all he can handle until Earl Spence found a way to clip him and knock, and knock him down, and then he got the nod on the scorecards. Right. But going going into that round, I thought Sean Porter was winning the fight. He was. You know, yeah. Sean Porter is a tough foul for anybody. And the reason why he is is because he's very cerebral inside the ring. You know, he's not only that, he's tough. He's a tough, tough cookie. He has a really good chin. You know, he has a really high eye boxing IQ. You know, that's why he's really great at the commentary because he has a high IQ you know, inside that ring, he sees things happen. He sees things, you know, uh, before they even happen. He can predict things happening, you know, just with certain movements and things like that. You know, Terrence, on the other hand, is a guy that's extremely talented. You know, he captured what he, I think it was the undisputed championship at 140, moved up to 47, faced Jeff Horn, uh, destroyed Jeff Horn, had this belt, did everything that I would say Earl Spence wanted him to do. Earl Spence never got in the ring with him. Uh, Thurman never got in the ring with him, you know, because of the PBC and the, uh, you know, the ESPN thing and the top rank thing. I get it. But Sean Porter was willing to, hey, jump over the other side or walk over to the other side of the street because he wants to prove that he's the best fighter in the world. You know, by beating Terrence Bud Crawford, who's a welterweight, yes, some would say he's unproven. I think he's the best, one of the best fighters in the world. If he can beat a guy like Terrence Bud Crawford, then, I mean, Sean Porter right there will make a name for himself and, and definitely can be, you know, in, in the talks of having a Hall of Fame type of career. Because, right. I mean, I look at his resume, he has fought everybody in a mama, man. He's fought everybody, you know. And so deep, deep, deep pedigree, deep, deep resume, Sean Porter. Terrence Bud Crawford is going to prove, has to prove to the world that he is a top welterweight by beating Sean Porter. And there's no, no bigger test. I don't think in, in boxing right now for Terrence Buck Crawford than a guy like Sean Porter who's hungry, determined, who comes in shape, who's going to throw a ton of punches, who's going to be in his face, that's going to be gritty, just as gritty as, and mean as Terrence Buck Crawford is. Crawford's going to have to go to a place that he's probably never been before in his career. And, and I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see because, you know, special things happen for special folks. And Terrence Buck Crawford, to me, is a special fighter. So I'm, I, want, I want to see him be pressured, and I want to see how he delivers with all that pressure that Sean Porter's going to put on him. Can't wait. And like you said, uh, Terrence Crawford's never been in the ring with a guy like Sean Porter. So uncharted territory here. Looking forward to it. M- November the 20th, Mandalay Bay, WBO welterweight title. Looking forward to it. Tim, real quick, before we let you go, uh, we are on the cusp of the heavyweight fight. Uh, we're going to get it finally here again with Fury and Wilder 3 coming up on October the 9th. Uh, quick take here. Do you think that the postponement has hurt this promotion at all? Or do you think that, hey, things are, are starting to pick up as we get closer? 
it's been really quiet on the Fury yeah. side. I mean, I've been seeing videos with, with Deontay Wilder training like a madman, but on the Fury side, it's been really quiet. Uh, I don't, I don't know if he's even in back in Vegas right now. I'm not sure where he's training at right now or anything. You know, he's been MIA since he's went back home and since he caught COVID. You know, before the fight, it was, it was a lot of promotion going on. You know, he was taking pictures. He was, you know, on his uh, social media, you know, posting often. And I, and I remember him saying he's going to go black or go dark. I would say, but I thought he would at least come back. <laughs> Show some little training footage or something, you know, before he actually started the hardcore training, but he hasn't done that yet, man. So uh, I think the fight's kind of died down a bit. I think the weeks leading up to it, maybe a week or so leading up into the fight, I think it'll start getting a lot more buzz. But as of right now, I think it's kind of died down a bit. No lie about it. It's died down. Um, I don't think people are as excited as they once were for this rematch or this this, this trilogy, I would say. So, um, but... May the best man win, dude. Um, I, I'm definitely going to have to put my money on Tyson Fury. I just think he's just a better fighter altogether. Tyson Fury, better fighter. I think mentally he has the edge over uh, Deontay Wilder. I understand all the training footage and stuff that Deontay Wilder's doing. I understand the changes that he's made uh, with his trainer. Uh, I see some improvements in his game. But, man, it's different when you're doing it on the hand pads and when you're getting hit upside your face, upside your head, man. It's completely different. So, Let's see some of this stuff in sparring, in some some of his sparring sessions. Let's see some videos of you sparring and actually using this stuff that you actually learned on the hand pads. Then if you show me that, then I'll believe in you. So, But uh, I got Tyson Fury all day in this third match. Yeah, looking forward to it. And again, October the 9th, the coming here in Vegas. So we've got a great fight October 9th, another great fight coming up November 20th. Tim, I appreciate you joining us today. As always, my friend, we will uh, talk to you as we get a little bit closer uh, to these fights. And again, looking forward to uh, seeing you and hanging out with you uh, when you get to Vegas as well. No doubt, baby. All right. Thank you, TZ. See you later. You got it, brother. Appreciate you. There he is, Tim Bradley, Mr. Merengue. There he is, a pride of Palm Springs. Now hanging hanging out in San Diego doing his thing. Look, Look at I see him smiling. see him bobbing the head. That's my guy, Tim Bradley. Five-time champ. All right. We go from Tim Bradley to the future of boxing, also part of the top-ranked team. And we're talking about Nico Ali Walsh, who is 1-0. We've had him on the show here a couple times. Wanted to get Nico on here today because guess what? His second fight is coming up here, October the 23rd. So, you know, we're about a month or so away. Nico, what is happening, my man? What's going on? Uh, How do you like following up Tim Bradley there? I love Tim Bradley. That's my dude. Good dude, man. Good dude. Well, uh, Nico, you were talking about, you know, the announcement with Top Rank that uh, this fight is finally going to happen with uh, Terrence Bud Crawford and Showtime Sean Porter. It's going to be November the 20th at the Mandalay Bay. I want to get your take because I know that you followed both of these guys' careers. Uh, Give me your thoughts uh, when you heard that, hey, this fight is finally official. Man, I I mean, I, I heard that it was in talks. Obviously, I heard the rumors, but now that it's happening, I think this is awesome for boxing. It's another great fight to add onto the list of the great fights we have uh, coming up this year. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't. I, I don't have a, a a favorite in the fight because both of them are tremendous fighters. Mm-hmm. When you look at, at both of these guys, and you know we know both of them very very well. Look at their styles. I'm curious from your perspective of a guy who's still, you know, coming up and learning the sport and you're looking at these, these, you know, two champions. When you look at each one of these guys and let's just start with uh, Terrence Crawford first, what do you see in him? And, and when you, when you evaluate him and think about, well, yourself as a fighter. Well, Terrence Crawford, as far as I'm concerned, he's the grim reaper right now in, in, in that division. Like, uh, nobody was able to mess with him. You know, nobody, I, I don't think anybody really wants to fight him, but then you've got Sean Porter who has zero quit in him. He has zero fear in him. So it's, it's a perfect matchup, I think. And when you, when you look at Sean, uh, what are your thoughts about Sean? Obviously much different style uh, Sean has compared to Crawford. Oh, yeah. No, I, I would say Porter bring, brings it to every fight. I mean, he fights. Uh, he's not a dance-around-the-ring kind of fighter. 
He definitely comes with the uh, explosiveness. Uh, he, he's ready to bang. So, you know, and, and with them going at it together, I think it makes for a perfect matchup because the audience, people don't like to see fighters, you know, do nothing for 12 rounds. You know, people want to see action, and Porter brings the action in every fight. No doubt about it. Nico Alley Walsh joins us. Nico is going to be having his second professional fight October the 23rd. You saw his debut on ESPN. A fantastic first-round knockout. And he's going to be on the undercard of the Jamel Herring-Shakur Stevenson fight, like we said, October the 23rd. Nico, uh, talk to us uh, uh, about how you're training here for fight number two. You know, it's it's really exciting. I actually heard you talking about Tyson Fury saying that he's your favorite in the Wilder uh, trilogy. Um, he's my favorite. And I'm excited because uh, my trainer, Sugar Hill, and Tyson will be coming in town soon. Yep. And I'll be able to uh, see him in person. And, uh, I mean, he's a tremendous athlete. He's he's a mystery. I don't I don't know how someone could be, you know, that big and that good and that fast. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's an exciting time for me that I, I get to be around these guys and I get to prepare with them for my fight. So I'm, I'm super excited. And like you said, having the same trainer in Sugar Hill that's uh, training Tyson Fury, the heavyweight champion of the world, in your corner as well. And I know you've got already a chance to you know spend some time around Tyson Fury in that camp. And for a young upcoming fighter, I mean, I don't know if you've, you know, need to pinch yourself. I know you don't need to be reminded, but maybe you do. That like, hey, I, I'm living this dream here, and I'm, I'm getting thrust into this, this thing. I sign with top rank. I get my pro debut on national, you know, worldwide television. My second fight is going to be on another great undercard. Oh, and by the way, I have the same trainer that's training the heavyweight champ, and he's going to be training the same time that I'm training for his next title defense. I mean, how surreal right. is this, man? It's super, it's super surreal. I mean, I never saw it, I never saw it being like this. Um, but I just have to, I, I obviously pinch myself and I pray. I mean, I thank God that all this happened. It's, it's nothing but a blessing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the sky's the limit with, with sugar. And, and I couldn't ask, I mean, I could not be with a better team. I really couldn't. So it, the sky's the limit with, uh, with us. Nico Alley Walsh joins us. So, Nico, we've had you on a couple times, uh, two times before this, one before your fight, and then immediately after your fight. Just kind of take us through what has happened uh, after your your first fight to to the time being now, because obviously being on ESPN, you got a lot of notoriety. Uh, what has happened with you, and what kind of you know comments have you gotten from people since uh, your last fight, since the last time we talked with you? Well, you know, I, I try to respond to all the Instagram messages. Uh, so I, I just, whenever I get downtime, I'll just go through all the messages. And I would say 99.9% were, were love, you know, and support. Um, and I, I love that. That's awesome. Everyone's been telling me stories about my grandfather, how he made them feel, uh, and how they're so happy that I'm continuing, you know, his legacy, creating my own and, I just think it's a beautiful thing, everything that's been going on. And, uh, yeah, it's just exciting. I mean, if, if I was, if I garnered that much love, I don't care much for attention, but, uh, you know, I got that much support for just, uh, one fight. I can't wait to see, you know, what, what my second fight's going to be like, what my, what my third fight's going to be like. It's going to be crazy. All right. October 23rd on the undercard, Jamel Herring and Shakur Stevenson. Talk a little bit about your opponent, and uh, what are you looking forward to in this fight? You know what? I, again, I cannot tell you much. I, I have no idea who my opponent is. That is, you know, I leave it up to to the pros to, you know, do the matchmaking. Uh, I have no idea who my opponent is, but I'm getting great work in the gym. And like Sugar always says, I'll be prepared for anyone. So if, if I'm preparing for one guy right now and he uh, – changes the day of the fight it, it won't matter because sugar has got me prepared for you know whoever and i knew that going into it because we've talked about this before how you know you just yeah. you, you don't watch tape you just you're you know it, it doesn't it doesn't matter to you but i know that uh 
you know, uh, Evan Holyfield is going to be on that card as well, too. So, yeah. and that's going to be a, a big deal because you've got the son of Evander Holyfield. And of course, you know, you being the grandson of, of the greatest Muhammad Ali. I mean, that is uh, fantastic. Have you got a chance to talk with Evan before? No, I haven't. I've never met uh, Evan. I met Holyfield uh, a few times uh, when I was really young. But my uncle, Mike Joyce, my manager and agent, he he knows Holyfield, and they go back and forth through text. So, um, yeah, no, that's really exciting. I love the story of continuing legacy, you know, any in, in any way possible, whether it's boxing or anything else. I love I love when people continue uh, uh, their their family history. All right, you got an opinion on Jamel Herring and Shakur Stevenson, who's going to be in the main event that night? You know what? I don't. Um, I really wish we. I really wish we were. Uh, we had fights coming up that were against bad guys. It makes it real easy to root <laughs> for people. But you've got, you've got, you know, Stevenson and Herring are both such good guys. They're both very, very skilled. I can't. I can't. Uh, you know, I can't pick a side here. Right. Because I've met them both. I really can't. I wish. I mean. Back in the day when Mayweather was around, we we had a clear bad guy. Nobody was rooting for Mayweather, but now we don't. That was like wrestling, right? You got the heel and the baby face, right? It's easy, you know? Crowd gets right. behind the baby right. face it, and it makes go against the a heel. lot more fun. Every every sport needs a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Every story needs a villain. Well, we know that we don't have one with you. Nico Alley Walsh is not a villain. He's not a bad guy. He's a great guy, and he's a Las Vegas native, uh, pride of Bishop Gorman, UNLV. He's 1-0, and and he will be on the card, the next top-ranked card, October the 23rd, and uh, we look forward to, to uh, watching your fight then, my friend. And I know that we'll see you around at the Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder fight, and I know that you'll be around too for Showtime Sean Porter and Terrence Crawford as well, all part of the uh, the top yeah. rank family there. All right, brother, thanks for the time today, Nico. I appreciate it and uh, continued success. Of course, thank you for having me. And of course, we will talk to you before your fight as well too, as we get a little bit closer. Yes, I will be here. All right, brother, take care. All right, thank you. You too. Here, Nico Ali Walsh, making a name for himself making a name for himself. And again, carrying on the legacy of his late grandfather, the greatest, Muhammad Ali. Nico Ali Walsh, uh, 1-0 and signed with top rank a few months back. His second fight coming up on October the 23rd. All right, I appreciate Nico Ali Walsh for joining us. Tim Bradley as well. Always fun with those guys. And just, uh, yeah, today was kind of a regular day for... Our regular guests. I mean, those guys come on all the time. Steve Berline, Steve Sachs. We've got the NFL, Major League Baseball. Appreciate all of that. Busy, busy show. Tomorrow, we're going to England across the pond, right? Paul Buck, Power Stewart, talking some Buccaneers, talking just about everything. Who knows what? Maybe some Monty Python, you know, U.S. Open. He's still living that dream there. Um, There you go. So we've got uh, Paul Buck, Power Stewart. We've got uh, Scott Spritzer start doing some handicapping for week number two. And we got a Thursday night football game. We'll dive into that too. Washington and the Giants. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. 